2: God bless you, everyone. Once again, something we've done probably for over about two decades, broadcasting live from the NAACP convention, MIP at the NAACP panel discussion during the NAACP convention with an esteemed group of panelists talking about racism, anti-Semitism. And hate We're going to hear that panel now Today on Make It Plain Panelists include Meek Mill, the rapper The Patriots We're in Boston, the NAACP conventions in Boston The Patriots CEO Robert Kraft Historian Henry Louis Gates NAACP President Derek Johnson And moderated by sports personality Joy Taylor So now, enjoy Hate has no home Racism, anti-Semitism and building bridges to fight hate. At the 2023 NAACP convention, NAACP board vice chair, Karen Boykin Towns, introduces our moderator.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, it is a pleasure and an honor to have a true trailblazer in the world of sports media with us tonight. With her captivating presence, insightful analysis, an unwavering passion for the game, our guest has become a beacon of excellence in the sports broadcasting industry as a prominent voice on fox sports she has broken barriers shattered glass ceilings and earned the admiration of sports enthusiasts worldwide including my husband daryl and we watch her all the time her dedication to delivering top-notch commentary and her remarkable expertise makes her a standout figure in the field here to moderate today's panel, please join me in giving a warm and enthusiastic welcome to the incredible Joy Taylor of Fox Sports.
0: Hello, thank you everyone. How's everyone doing today? How's everyone doing today? There we go, it's a beautiful day. Hello everyone. I'm very honored and grateful to be here, and I'm very excited to have this conversation that we are about to have. And let me start by introducing this panel. So tonight we embark on a moderated conversation that addresses the pressing issues, the pressing issues of racism, anti-Semitism, and the vital importance of building bridges to combat hate in all its forms. This panel brings together a cross-discipline unit who are dedicated to dismantling prejudice and promoting unity. Let us engage in this transformative dialogue with open hearts and open minds. And together, let us foster a future where hatred has no place and love and understanding prevail. So please join me in welcoming our esteemed panelists for this momentous discussion. Our first esteemed panelist, Derek Johnson, embodies the essence of the NAACP's rich history and unwavering commitment to equality. With his steadfast dedication and visionary leadership, he has tirelessly fought to dismantle systemic racism and inequality, advocating for transformative change across our communities. Tonight, we are privileged to have him join us in this vital discussion, lending his profound insights and expertise to our pursuit of a more equitable and united society. Please join me in extending a warm welcome to the dynamic and inspiring Derek Johnson. Our next panelist is the owner of the New England Patriots and a prominent figure in the sports industry, our esteemed guest. Robert Kraft has undoubtedly achieved remarkable success, but beyond the accolades, he has also demonstrated an unwavering commitment to making a profound impact on society. Tonight, we're honored to have Mr. Kraft join us not only as a visionary sports leader, but also as a beacon of hope in the fight against anti Semitism. Through his foundation to combat anti Semitism, he has taken a stand against hate, fostering unity and building bridges of understanding. Please join me in extending a warm and heartfelt welcome to the exceptional Robert Kraft. Our next guest, Dr. Henry Louis Gates, Jr., is a scholar, educator, and cultural trailblazer whose work has profoundly impacted our understanding of African American history and the broader American experience. As an influential author, historian, and filmmaker, Dr. Gates has illuminated the richness and complexity of African-American culture, bridging the past with the present to create a deeper appreciation of our shared humanity. His dedication to uncovering hidden histories and amplifying marginalized voices has reshaped the academic landscape and sparked crucial conversations on race, identity, and social justice. Please join me in giving a warm and enthusiastic welcome to the remarkable Dr. Henry Louis Gates Jr. Our final panelist is a multi-talented artist whose powerful voice extends far beyond the realm of music. Our honored guest, Meek Mill, is not just a chart topping rapper, (laughs) but also a fearless advocate for social change and equality with his captivating lyrics and unwavering determination. (laughs) He has become a voice for the voiceless, shedding light on the injustices faced by marginalized communities and advocating for reform within the criminal justice system. So tonight we are privileged to have him join us, not only as an extraordinary performer, but also as a driving force for positive change. Please welcome Meek Mill. Thank y'all for having me today too. Hey, all right, welcome everyone. As I said, I'm very honored to be here to host this panel, which is titled Hate Has No Home Here, a moderated conversation on racism, Anti-Semitism, and building bridges to fight all hate. So I wanna start with you, President Johnson. Uh, As the NAACP celebrates over 114 years since its inception and you look at the current challenges, why do you feel it's important to have this conversation about racism and anti-Semitism today at this national gathering?
4: So first of all, I'm looking out here. Thank you all for coming out for this important conversation. Give yourself a hand. The NAACP was created in the backdrop of successes by the African American community to hold the Constitution true to its commitment. We took up arms, we defeated a treasonous army, we kept the United States united, and we built public policy infrastructure in the South, public education among many other things, only to find ourselves compromised in a deal for business reasons. And as a result of that individuals, William Morrow Trotter, he and bosses and many others, they met to confront the issue of race in America. Today we find ourselves in the same quagmire. Public policy is the driving force around how society should be. The most effective tool to derail progressive public policy is the use of race and other, otherism. And what we are looking at in the backdrop of the 2016 election is an aggressive attempt to otherize communities like African-American, the Jewish communities, the Muslim communities, women, the LGBT community, because individuals are seeking to maintain a 1950 profile of who we are as a country, as opposed to recognize that we are the most diverse country in our history, that we've never had this much diversity. And as a result of that, we are seeing massive attacks against the Jewish community, against the. African-American community against the Latino community because of fear that we as we move forward that opportunity will be more equalized as opposed to only one segment of our populations controlling and dominating everything. And so that's the fight we up against. It's not personal it's a strategy, it's a tool, that we must recognize it for that and use all that we have through coalitions with other communities to ensure we are not the targets.
0: So it's planned. It's absolutely it's intentional. planned, it's absolutely So Professor Gates, as a scholar and a historian, can you share some historical perspective on the common roots of black racism and anti-Semitism? They're obviously, of course, different, but they do have some common roots. Sure, Um,
5: it's a great honor for me to be here and thank you very much for convening the panel and thanks to all of you for showing up on a Sunday afternoon. You all remember my friend, Bell Hooks, who left us all much too soon. She had a quote that I love and I wanna start with that. She said, white supremacy relies on the maintenance of anti-black racism and anti-Semitism. There will never be a time when these two struggles will not be connected. I tell my students at Harvard that under the floorboards of Western culture run two streams. One is anti-black racism and one is anti-Semitism. And anytime a demagogue wants to stir up people, they just lift up the floorboards and dipper out all that hatred against our people and against our Jewish brothers and sisters. When um, Hitler, was done killing the Jews. You know who he was gonna kill next? Us. We have to join hands together to defeat white supremacy because Jews and black people have a common enemy. And that common enemy was kicked awake, as you all know, by the election of the first black president of the United States. That fact drove so many of our White brothers and sisters, crazy. And we saw a rise in hate acts that was unprecedented, which is why we need each other today. We need each other today because the only way we can slay our common enemy is together. And blacks and Jews, to give you one example of how we've worked together, and I, I brought this here because I think many of the members of the NAACP and I'm a lifetime member, have forgotten the origins. The the NAAC was founded in 1909 when many of the founders were Jewish. Jewish founders and board members had an outside um, impact on the creation of this great organization. So without Jewish support, the NAACP would never have gotten off the ground.
0: Absolutely, we were talking a bit about that backstage and some of the origins of the the founding of the NAACP. So Robert and Meek, you have a uh, friendship, some would say is a unique or unlikely friendship, Um, but you've been able to do some amazing work together through that friendship, and it's a big part of your personal story now. So uh, Meek, do you wanna share kind of how you and Robert came together as friends?
1: yeah, because I always go back and forth with a lot of people. Uh, they think it's like Robert Cravage is a billionaire, sports team owner, and that's somebody I'm just following behind. Uh, me, I told Robert on a plane on the way here, and I don't know how I should say it on stage. I told him back there, I'm like, how should I say stuff? But I told him before, uh, 10, 15 years ago, when I was caught up in the system as a young guy, I never seen like uh, a white successful businessman coming to help me. and between uh, my hardships with the system. And I had a lot of uh, other black men that helped me, but I never expected uh, an older white male to come help me. And I talked to Robert when I was on the phone, I was in prison, I was on the phone with my friend Mike, and I told him to put me on the phone with Robert. And when I talked to Robert, I was like, I'm just asking bold stuff and these things that people wouldn't ask. I asked, could he come see me in prison? And when Robert said that, he said ne- he said he never seen the inside of a prison Uh, that was shocking to me. Uh, Just us having conversations in studios, uh, him being around my friends, and he said his kids were prepared to go to summer camp every summer, and we told him in the summer we was worrying about getting locked up or shot. I seen in his heart that it was really shocking to him, and it's just him in the studio, 2 a.m., amongst a a group of young black kids that come from the hood, and he wanna know our story, From him seeing him learning about my story and actually caring about uh, the causes that affected me and my peoples, it was probably two years ago when Robert said, I'm gonna get you to come to Poland with me. And I didn't know the effects of how many friends I had that were Jewish, that had family members that were connected to what happened in Poland and Auschwitz and how many people that thanked me. I didn't go there to get a thank you. I didn't go there for any uh, certain agenda. I went there because Robert actually learned about me and my friends, my lifestyle and where I came from. And when he asked me to go to Poland, uh, I went. And he asked me about a year ago, uh, two years ago. And when we went, he showed me some things there that I'd never seen before. And it was similar to the lifestyle. It was more raw and it was more violence that, I was, that was shown in that museum. But in my neighborhood, it was similar to the things that we went through. You know, we, gave, we got a tour in Poland about what they did to the Jewish people about. They wrote, they tattooed numbers on them and called them by numbers. And the lady said that it was so humiliating to them that it made them not value themselves. And, and I just was telling Robert, whispering in his ear, like in prison, they was calling us by numbers, you know, when they could have called us by our names. Uh, it was one time they almost made me shave my head off. They said, you have to shave your head or you going to the hole. I knew that wasn't the policy and I didn't shave my hair, but I stood up and I was prepared to go to the hole. And Robert showed me a room of 40,000 women hair on the ground. You know, I heard about this, these things, but it's sort of like, and I tell Robert and them, it's sort of like when you're watching the news, you see a 30 second clip of. A young girl killed in the hood. Uh, I would believe you all guys would all care about it, but it's hard to attach to it if you wasn't physically involved. You know, Robert took me there and I've I seen that for my own self and it just gave me what it gave him when he came to the prison and seen me, you know? And I brought that back to my neighborhood. And when I came back, a lot of people from the Jewish community was thinking me and saying that they know that I cared me i come from a ruthless environment i grew up in a hood where it isn't any rules you know we have morals we never lost morals but it's ruthless in that environment through all that i grew up in i still never lost my care for all types of people i never was taught that way not to care about all types of people and i would never lose that and me and people like Robert, myself he opened doors for me to be on stages like this because before i wasn't on stages like this i was on rap stages rapping about you know violence and guns you know that we get paid to rap about that stuff they actually pay us more when we rap about more ignorant stuff so i make sure i even align and come talking on stages like this but you guys the double acp up doors for people like me to be able to power forward because the things that fund us that don't power me forward you know i just make sure because I know better and I'm at an age point, I'm 36, they is really went from when we 21 to 25 where we really don't know. I'm one of the lucky ones that made it through where I was able to get my knowledge and sense and I'm the one that keep the line on, the rap ignorance and be able to level out uh, conversations like these and deliver it to the young people who may not attend things like this. So I would just say, I appreciate you guys for having given me this opportunity and I appreciate Robert because he didn't have to come to that prison and come see a young guy that was toting the gun once upon a time in the hood and put his name on the line when he had a lot of people telling him don't do that and he did it so I commend him and I didn't expect that from a person of where he come from and he opened a bridge to my life to be able to open bridge for more people. <laughs> your turn Robert, you gotta tell your story.
0: That was perfectly said, Meek. Thank you too. And to your point, conversations really open doors and bridge gaps and create the type of relationships that do heal things. And Robert, Tikkun Alam is a Jewish concept of taking action to repair the world, which is what you did, took action to go and see Meek in prison and took action in inviting him to Poland. How has this value shaped your life and your actions?
5: Well, um,
6: that's really the center first of all, it's an honor for me to be here today. And Professor, thank you all for giving me this opportunity listening to Professor Gates and Meek speak about our joint communities. And thank you, Derek, for inviting us here and giving us this opportunity. You know, I grew up in, uh, I was privileged to have two loving parents, we were a very modest financial uh, home, but my father left me an ethical will and he said when you go to bed every night, make sure the people you've touched that day are richer for having known you and that symbolizes the tikkun olam to me and I love this country with all its faults, um, because I was a young man who went to school on full scholarship. I didn't have my first car till on my own till I was 25. And, you know, I've been able to live my dream. Um, You know, uh, I had a greater chance to being a starting quarterback in the NFL, there were 32, than owning a franchise in my hometown. But what does that mean? It means that this country has been open to everyone to have great opportunities. And I'm very worried about the country right now, what's going on. And um, visiting Meek in jail, and it changed my life, because I'd never been to a jail. And when I went in there and I saw him, uh, I for for doing a wheelie he was put on probation for 11 months and here's a 11 young
1: years. Le,
6: 11 years but doing the wheelie you
1: I got two years in prison
6: for okay so they got two years in prison numbers have never been my strength <laughs> but the point is I'm I'm looking at this young man who I have deep affection for. He's in an orange jumpsuit. He could be earning millions of dollars paying taxes, being with his seven-year-old son and his mom who was working two jobs because when his father got killed when he was five, and he's in jail on a ridiculous item and we're paying as a society to keep him there because of a crazy, bigoted system. And so we have to change that. And he and I and a fellow rapping colleague of his, Jay and a friend of mine, Jay-Z and Michael Rubin, we started this reform alliance to try to fix that. Um, Because we have more people in jail in America per capita than any country in the world, and that's crazy, and it's not in America, America's best interest. But also, what I see happening now with hate, and and it starts, Professor Gates is right, it starts with the Jewish people, it'll go to every other minority group. We have to stand together and stand proud, and. And push back on this to keep the vibrancy of this country
0: well outside of the Reform Alliance you also the craft group and the New England Patriots and Gillette Stadium and other retail manufacturing op- operations outside of all of that the craft group is committed to erasing hates recently the craft group founded the foundation to combat anti-semitism we all have our our blue squares here on on stage. But Robert, tell us a little bit about this organization.
1: Well, um,
6: it's sort of uh, why I asked Meek to come to Poland when you have a very prominent artist, Kanye West, saying the Holocaust was a hoax and isn't true. He has 50 million followers, more than three times the population of Jewish people in the globe. Uh, And there are a lot of young people who are not educated to the facts and aren't aware. And we see our job to do that. So someone, I feel a very close proximity to Meek, and I wanted him to see with his own eyes Because he should see the message. And the same way, look, this country for 400 years for people of color hasn't treated people correctly. And, you know, I'll never know what it's like to walk into a room with black skin and how people react. But I do know that with all the problems we have, this is still the greatest country, and I want to keep it that way, and I'm very scared with the hate going on now. So I wanted to start something that brings attention and educate people that we have to push back on all hate. And that's why we started this foundation. This blue square, Is a symbol of unity and solidarity that all of us can stand together and push back. It's a little emoji that you can have, you have it on your phone. And I'm not very technologically savvy, but even I could put it on every email. I have it as a standard thing. And it's just something that people notice. Because I'll tell you, when I saw what happened in Charlottesville. And Professor Gates spoke about the white supremacists, but when, when you think that those people, you know, they, they had people carrying in 2017 signs saying, Sig Heil, down with the Jews. And they said, this is all over the Jewish communists and the criminal n-word they used as the foundation of what's going on, it just really made me sad. But then I saw the tree of life, what happened in Pittsburgh, where people going to their house of worship in the United States of America were shot, I believe over 15 people. Think about going to your church today and needing armed guards outside and inside. This is what's going on in the United States of America. So we have to make people, all people, educate them and make them aware. I know in the case of the Jewish people, we can't solve this problem on our own. We need everybody working with us. And Professor Gates is right. People are trying to put boulders between the black community and the Jewish community. And we've always been unique uniquely tied together and i want us to continue that in any way we can build those ties i'd like to be part of that
0: that's perfectly said yes
6: amen amen and
0: education is a big big part of that which transitions me to professor gates and uh, there's a lot of examples of collaborations throughout the civil rights movement and the connection between the jewish community and the black community in the fight for civil rights can you give us some examples in history of that, but also what do you see as the, the path forward for right. our two communities?
5: The, the um, bouncing off what Robert said, <clears throat> we all re- remember the nightmare of Charlottesville that, and they were chanting, Jews will not replace us. Jews will not replace us. You know, I couldn't understand what they were saying at first. And I, I t- asked my wife, what the hell are they saying? then I thought what is this 1930 in Nazi Germany but guess what that the day after they were demonstrating against the Jews they showed up with swastikas confederate flags and Ku Klux Klan robes that shows you the inextricably intertwined connection between the hatred of Jewish people and the hatred of our people Franz Fanon, the great black psychiatrist, in 1952, Governor, said, wrote a sentence I'll never forget, which is that the anti-Semite inevitably is a Negrophobe, Meaning, if you find a person who hates Jews, they hate us too. And you know what? We got Dr. Evil lurking in the, in the wings. Donald Trump, no matter what we do, he seems to just keep coming back. He's like the vampire in a horror story. And you don't know what's going to happen. But Donald Trump feeds these people. He feeds their hatred and they're looking for scapegoats. They're looking for scapegoats because the world has changed and they're not in control anymore. And they haven't changed with it. And they look at a room like this and too many black people, too many women, too many gay people, too many uh, people who don't look like them. And that's when they start looking for victims. And because of economic scarcity, that search for victims is going to increase. So when I um, heard about Kanye West and his Holocaust denial, ladies and gentlemen, it sickened me to my stomach. And I decided that my next PBS series, we got one coming out in February on the history of gospel. After that, I'm doing a series on the history of blacks and Jews. And you know why? Because I want to remind our community and the Jewish community that we have a common enemy and that people despise us for the very same reason. Do you know, there was a man named Julius Rosenwald from Sears of Roebuck. There were no black schools in the South. He paid for 5,000 schools for black people, a Jewish guy. Nobody made him do that, but he did it. And you know who he educated? Maya Angelou. The painter Jacob Lawrence, Medgar Evers, Congressman John Lewis all graduated from those schools. And when uh, Jewish professors had to flee Germany and come to the United States, most people don't know that 51 professors were relocated at the the, the, uh, historically black colleges and universities. 51 black schools opened their arms for those Jewish professors to have a home. Isn't that amazing? But people don't know that. And and finally, take the, the March on Washington. The whole civil rights movement from the creation of the NAACP in 1909 through the March on Washington was made possible by an alliance between Jewish leaders and black leaders. One of Martin Luther King's closest advisors was Abraham Joshua Heschel, the great rabbi and rabbi Mark Tannenbaum. That's what we need to do. I'm making this film series to show that we need to reforge our alliance to protect our communities from the white supremacists that are coming after both of them. No, I
0: think- oh, and
5: I have to say the first person to make a donation for the funds we needed to make that series was my man, Robert Kraft.
0: Education and history are very, very important because you lose track of what happens when you don't talk about it. And everything that you're saying is, is why we lose our lose our way and forget that we were all at one point fighting for the same thing hand in hand, and that's how we got here today. And again, education, history, conversations, all lead to this kind of change. So I wanna ask uh, President Johnson, why aren't more of these conversations happening? And how can we encourage more community leaders to come together and have these conversations and develop these relationships and remind everyone of our shared histories?
4: I will speak more to the necessity of us having these conversations looking forward. The closer we get to the presidential election next year, November, the more intense we're gonna see forces of white supremacy attacking our communities, but more importantly, seeking ways to divide the community. Right. Next year's election is gonna be won by less than 4% of the total vote. If they can create dissension between communities or within the communities that gives them an opportunity to the forces of white supremacy to win right so the reason why this conversation is important is for us to understand it the historical platform we're standing on is also key that when the organization was created in 1909 the Jewish communities they were not considered white white is a social construct the only individuals who were considered white in 1909 were Anglo-Saxon Protestant males, were the only ones who had the right to vote. And so the concept of the NAACP was not just for the benefit of African Americans. It was the benefit of all those individuals who had ethnic backgrounds or religious beliefs that was counter to white, Anglo- Protestant, Anglo-Saxon males. That's right. You know, if That's you, important. If you look at the the um, records in
5: Ellis Island for Jewish immigrants, for race, it said Hebrew.
4: It didn't say white, it said Hebrew. right? And so understanding the Roosevelt schools w- was absolutely crucial for African Americans growth. However, understanding that the creation of public education was done by legis- black legislators who created the public policy. And then those communities in all across the Southern landscape they raised money to build the schools. And what Rosenwald did that was so profound, he would match the money. That's right. That it wasn't a handoff. I want to make sure that this relationship is one that's empowering based on the reality of the history that we come to the table as a black community, not with handout. We come to the table understanding that we all are subjected to white supremacist behavior and we have to partner in this effort because partnership means we both step to the plate together and not one doing for the other and i don't want that to be the narrative either we are the naacp we make democracy work for everyone and we also recognize that an attack against another group will be an attack against us and january 6 also showed us that they don't care about the rule of law. They only care about power. So we are in a power conversation and we need pow- partners so we can leverage our collective power
0: to push back. Amen, amen. Absolutely. And I don't know if, okay, here we go. All of us have different backgrounds and different tools that we can use to help communicate that. You mentioned the election. There's a lot of different media platforms that are gonna be putting out different information. And I, I wanna to go to Meek on this because you have the ability to influence people, not just through social media, but obviously through your music as well. And What kind of role do you feel that you play in that and how can social media uh, be utilized to help communicate these conversations that we're having and educate young people?
1: Uh, me, uh, how I operate, I, I'm one of the kids that we talking about, you know, the war on drugs, growing up in a house without a father. I'm actually one of those kids, I grew up in most of my 20s, no matter if I had a record deal and I made millions of dollars, I still spent most of my 20s, well, my whole 20s on probation and then out of the system. So it's something that I really care about. Uh, I was talking to some guys backstage about the board of parole. You know, I'm an artist so I can rap about it and the world hear about it, but you know, I might talk about the parole system and tell a story in a way that Uh, Some people may not be able to hear the voice of young men on parole, but you guys, if you didn't hear it, your kids that may grow up in the next 10, 20 years know about the pain and struggles of people like us went through parole. So if it didn't kick in this era next year, I mean in the next 10 years, it may kick in. So, you know, me using my voice and platform because, you know, I know other artists that come from where we come from that don't speak on the issues that uh, we face every day. Uh, I was telling them backstage, uh, me seeing Poland and the Holocaust and coming back to America, I said, they don't really have to kill us. And I'm talking about in the black culture and the hood. And I ain't talking about the whole black culture, just in the hood where I come from. Our self-hatred level is risen to the highest level because, uh, we are taught to kill each other now and not, this is a real thing that I just noticed of if you just give a liquor, Weed and guns—you don't gotta really execute us. We'll do it in the long run. And you know me—I'm uh, not perfect. I'm not an angel, but I don't live on the side of committing crimes or powering the side of wrong. I live on the side of what I know is right, or what I think is right, and what I believe is right. And using my voice to power things. If you guys in this room, some of y'all don't know my raps, Maybe your kids do, and maybe your kids might grow into politics ten years from now. And may understand my culture a little bit more. So using my voice to the fullest ability is all I could do. And I tell Robert and him, I say, I'm a rapper. Uh, I got my voice from being an artist, from all these kids being able to listen to me. I always want to keep that, you know? I always want to keep my voice. So you may hear me talking about things that don't align with you guys' lifestyle, but I've been living in the hood and grew up in that pain more than I've been on this side. So. I'm gonna deliver this side of voice, but I always wanna keep that young ear so I can be able to talk to him about things like this one day, you know? Yeah, amen.
6: Uh, can Can I just say, what you all heard here, I've had a chance to view him over the last seven years or so, and he's amazing. And he's got such a big heart, I don't know, that I could be as nice if, if I went through what he went through. And it's a wonderful example how he's using his talent and leadership skills to, to be a motivation to young kids who've come from similar backgrounds to really live their dream and work through it in spite of all the difficulties. It's really, uh, and it's the same way when I saw him in jail and he wasn't defeated, I know I would have been so ticked off, but he makes the best of it and then looks how he can change
1: the system and make things better. Can I say something to that? Uh, just speaking on that, like when Robert came and see me in prison, he said, yo, you not bitter? And I was bitter. I was there probably two, three months and I'm just getting like used to it. You gotta figure I'm famous, I'm one of the most people with the most financial things going on in the building. So I'm like the main target in the room and nothing about it is good. I'm locked away from my family. But I told Robert, I've been on this fight in the system. I got locked up when I was 18. I was fighting that case for my mom, my sister, my grandma, a few aunts and uncles who them, most of them, I don't even think they went to college, you know, and I don't judge my family off of how far they went uh, just in in success. But I never had nobody that uh, had as much power influence and as Robert come stand up and speak for me in a situation like that. So he like, how are you smiling? I'm like, Robert, I only really had my mom and my sister and I'm backing me up. So having somebody like Robert Kraft just step in that situation and help me, I valued that even in a visiting room, I still know how to live in that moment. And, I tell Robert everybody, and don't, you know, not because you're white, not because you're a billionaire or a successful person. He got a good heart. I know how to read people. I, I've been reading people my whole life to survive in the places I've been in. You know, I read him from having a good heart and, you know, people stood up for me in that situation. I want to stand up for people, you know, just the people in my community. I've been going in and out of prison for technical violations and not committing new crime. A technical violation if you cross state lines without permission, if uh, you took a Percocet without a prescription, you know, I end up going in and out of prison for those things. And the last time I've been out of prison, my whole 20, from 18 to 31, this last time I I almost made up my mind that I was gonna fully commit to basically not giving a F because my whole life was ruined going in and out of prison. They kind of saved me from that with the last bit of hope of kind of backing me up because I've been in and out of prison my whole life. I thought that this is what the narrative was. And you know, this last stint of reform being on stages like this, it made me make my mind up that I'm going a direction that I wanted to go because success in the music business couldn't even make me make my mind up. And this has pushed me in that direction where I need to be. So thank you guys. Oh, and thank great. you too,
4: Rob. your authenticity. And Joy, Joy, let me, let me just say, it's so important for Meek Meems to be on this stage and to be in discussion because there's a whole generation of our kids that can't hear us, but they can hear him. Right. There's a whole generation of our kids who we can talk about, you know, that don't put your finger on the plug because it's hot. But if he says, he said, well, we, not, we may not need to do that we must embrace our young people because if we don't, social media would take them over. And what social media has done, not only to our community, it has radicalized individuals. It has provided misinformation. It has created an alternative reality that's not rooted in the In our reality or where we want to go in the future so I commend you for being here as I look forward to working with you looking forward because next year's election everything for me goes back to November 2024 if we don't get that right you think January 6 was a problem you don't know what a problem looked like oh you're right because we know as from our community if you allow domestic terrorism based on race to go unaccounted for, you only are guaranteeing more acts of domestic terrorism targeted at our communities and we must get this right.
5: Yes. And, and if I may, the, uh, this, this coming election is the most important election of our lifetime. Because we cannot allow the forces of darkness to return to the White House. And they are turning the clock on race relations backwards. And if you don't believe me, just look at the recent uh, decision of the Supreme Court on affirmative action, the same affirmative action that got all of us in this room. They looked at this room and said, too many of y'all in here. I don't know how you got in here, but we got to keep more from from coming. We have to um, make sure that the Democrats retain control of the White House and get control of the house again. Otherwise, what is happening with the Supreme Court is only gonna get worse.
0: Absolutely. This has been an incredible conversation, authentic conversation, a conversation from different places in the world and different backgrounds. Sometimes, and even I think for young people, it can feel a little bit overwhelming. You know, you wanna help, you wanna do something, you wanna combat hate, you wanna participate, but where do you start? So each of you, uh, before we, we exit, um, just give your, your opinion, your thought, your hope, or some direction for, I'll, I'll start with you, Professor Gates, for anyone of any age who wants to help or get involved and make change to fight and combat hate and anti-Semitism, antisemitism.
5: You start with me? I'll start with you, yes. I think on the most fundamental level, One of the most important things we can do within our communities is stand up and combat hatred when it manifests itself behind closed doors. When we're all together and someone says something derogatory about Jews, we have to say, you are an anti-Semite, and that is the twin side of anti-black racism, and that is not allowable anymore.
0: Absolutely. President Johnson? You know, when uh, Robert and
4: I, we got on the phone, and we began to talk about this. He said, I really need your support on this anti-Semitic campaign. I said, I support activities that's anti-Semitic, but the campaign needs to be anti-hate. It's a, it's, it, it's, it's a street that goes both directions. That we have a mutual interest in fighting white supremacy. That's the common enemy. And as long as we understand that mutual interest is, uh, is there, that we, uh, uh, and we're looking at what the solutions are, for me, it is the election. We're not having this conversation in July of 2024, looking at November 2024. We are preparing now right. for next year's elections. Right. We are forging relationships now for next year's elections. We are identifying the targets where we could turn out to vote now for next year's elections. Right. And we are understanding that no matter what the vehicle is, whether it's an NACP or a local community group, all of us need to be empowered and focused in the same direction. Because if we are not, the 1950 reality that people are trying to take us to right. is not inclusive of any of our communities. But if we do this right the 2030 reality that we can wake up in is something where our kids and our grandkids can have a future that's more consistent and more equitable than anything we've ever seen divided.
0: We fall. So unity is the theme of today's conversation. Robert, I want to ask you as well, what is some advice that you would give to someone who wants to, to participate in ending hate and anti-Semitism?
6: Well, I think professor Gates and Derek spoke beautifully on the subject. I do think that social media has isolated people in many ways and we have a lack of empathy. And so we were looking for some symbol that universally can stand up to hate. And that's why this blue square stands up to all hate. And we need people not to be silent when they see it against any minority, whether it be Jewish, black, gay, asian muslim whatever it may be we have to push back to keep the values of this country strong
0: absolutely and And also make sure that you follow up on the on the blue square F F C A S and the reform alliance that that meek and robert have put together meek you obviously have a massive platform as you spoke about and you speak with a very authentic voice a voice that is is unique but also a, a, a experience that really needs to be told so from your authentic voice what advice would you give people who want to take the path that you're taking but also make this change in their own life
1: uh i would say uh just an examples of robert i would say uh be more risky like you know uh robert dealing with me me dealing with robert i don't know what i'm walking into uh i'm pretty sure he know what he was walking into because my background was a little screwed up and you know, he took risks, you know, to, for us to create things like reform, you know, that led to me being on these stages with the blue square and, and being, talking about what we talking about today, racism, uh, just taking more risks. Uh, he took risks with me. I took risks, you know, on the internet, they got me under, I'm just, you You could Google this stuff on TikTok. They got me like, as I'm, I'm following Robert Kraft them. they control me like puppets. This is no such thing. This is a man that cared about me at one of my worstest times where I didn't have as many resources as you think as a rapper. I say taking risks and just being uh, more open. I don't have a religion. Uh, I'm from Philadelphia where like 90% of the community is Muslim. My mom is Christian. You know, if I've been in prison a lot of times where 90% of the prison was Muslim, it was my best benefits. I've read the Quran, the Bible, I read a lot of things, but what I noticed is if I would've became Muslim or any other race, it would've separated me from my mother. So in some of my other family members, my grandmother, which is Christian, she's one of the most uh, precious things in our family. I decided just to take a stance and believe in God so I could represent all people regardless. And that's just always been my stance as a a younger person. So uh, just be more open and take risks, I would say.
0: That's wonderful advice. Thank you all so much for being here with us today. I want to thank Professor Gates, President Johnson, Robert Kraft, and Meek Mill, and all of you for engaging in this amazing conversation. Thank you, everyone.
2: Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter to a sister or brother who just so happens to find her or himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand, and above all,